This morning, I want to talk about the effect of Fed funds rate. And uh, I want to address the mystery of why it is uh, that the RBA decided to increase rates, not to 25 basis points, not to 50 basis points, but to 35 basis points. How did they get up with, get that number of 35 basis points? Where did it come from? Uh, where it came from was that the RBA, uh, in the person of Mr. Philip Lowe, PhD, is now following, uh, moving the Australian cash rate to follow the effective Fed funds rate. So the, uh, the Fed funds rate is the rate at which uh, banks can borrow from the Fed. That's the simplest way to put it. Uh, there's a vastly more complicated uh, a description of it on the um, in the um, website of the New York Federal Reserve, but that's the simple way to understand it. And uh, uh, U.S. banks borrow from the Fed, uh, can borrow from the Fed on any day, and the. Uh, Overnight, the New York Fed, which handles all of the transactions for the Federal Reserve, calculates what those cost of funds are, and it actually publishes a thing at 9 a.m. every morning showing the probability distribution of those borrowings, and it does uh, the median, uh, calculates the median, and that's published as the uh, effective Fed funds rate, the rate in which uh, U.S. banks are actually borrowing uh, from the Fed. And where that uh, effective Fed funds rate usually settles is about eight basis points above the lower bound set by the Fed. So if the Fed is setting a bound of between zero and 25 basis points, that um, uh, will, will result in an effective Fed funds rate of eight basis points. And uh, in the situation that occurred last year when the Fed funds rate was for quite a while, actually, between zero and 25 basis points, that effective Fed funds rate of eight basis points uh, led Mr. Philip Lowe, PhD, to reduce the Australian cash rate to 10 basis points. So that 10 basis points was matching the US Fed eight basis points. Now, what happened at the beginning of this year was that the Fed, in its first increase, put up uh, rates to the band 25 basis points to 50 basis points, and that resulted in an effective Fed funds rate eight basis points higher um, than that 25, which meant 33 basis points. And these numbers available on the uh, New York Fed website. Um, and uh, to match that 33 basis points of the effective Fed funds rate, the RBA has now put up the Australian cash rate to 35 basis points, which is close as we're going to get. Okay, so that. So where is that? Where do we think that rates are going to go now? About uh, 10 days ago, um, maybe a little bit longer. Actually, I think it was about 12 days ago. Um, uh, before the RBA meeting and before the Fed meeting last week, I attended a web webinar by Mary Daly. Mary Daly is the president of the San Francisco Fed. Now, I'd seen Mary Daly speak in person on uh, at least twice. And uh, on both occasions, uh, she, she's an amazing person in, uh, uh, in a public presentation because she's uh, no more than five foot tall. 
And uh, when she stands up behind the lectern, it's only her head which is over the top. But as soon as she begins to speak, she totally dominates the room. Incredibly powerful speaker. And I think she'd be a really good candidate for the person to follow um, um, Jay Powell as uh, as uh, uh, chair of the Fed. I mean, she's just uh, enormous, uh, enormous background, macroeconomics and labor economics, ter terrifically powerful mind. Uh, and what she said was at uh, this webinar um, a dozen days ago was that she thought what the Fed should do is move to the long-term neutral rate. Now, the long-term neutral rate uh, was published by the um, um, in the summary of economic projections by the Fed after the February meeting. And in the summary of economic projections, the uh, all the Fed presidents and the members of the Open Market Committee uh, suggested that they thought the long-term equilibrium for the Fed funds rate was 250 basis points. And that 250 basis points would be the equilibrium long-term level uh, if you had 4% uh, unemployment and 2% inflation. So what Mary Daly is suggesting, uh, and what she said uh, immediately after that, talking about that, was that she thinks that the Fed should get to 250 basis points as rapidly as it, as it can, and that she thinks that it should do that in 50-point leaps. Okay. So that's the scenario we're working from today and what we think the Fed is the scenario that the Fed has in front of it about what it's going to do. Now, what, in fact, Jay Powell said in the press conference after he put out the release last week was that he thought that there would now be a couple of additional 50-point rate hikes and then the Fed would look at what the situation was. So... Uh, I, I think Jay Powell is operating within this general scenario of 250 basis points by the, um, uh, by the end of the year. Okay, so where does that therefore take Mr. Philip Lowe, PhD, and what he's doing uh, with the Australian cash flow? Well, uh, given that uh, the Fed has already moved uh, it's banned to up to 75 basis points to 100 uh, basis points. That has resulted in a, an effective Fed funds rate eight basis points below the lower bound, which means that if you look on the website of the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York and uh, you ask the question effective funds rate, it will show you a chart and it will show you a table which says the effective funds rate is now 83 basis points, okay? And given that uh, uh, the RBR is following that, I would expect that at the next meeting, the next monthly meeting of the RBA, the RBA will put up rates by 50 basis points to 85 basis points. Bang, okay. So the meeting after that, now the Fed only meets every six weeks, not every month. So... Uh, our rates increase, I think, will follow what the Fed has done the previous month. So in six weeks' time, the Fed will meet again, and when they meet again, they will put up rates from 83 basis points to 133 basis points. And I believe the RBA at the, at the meeting after that will increase our cash rate to 135 basis points. So we'll follow up the Fed 
but we'll follow up to the effective funds rate. So we'll have a, a ladder, uh, not 25, 50, 75, but numbers which go up just a couple of points more than the effective funds rate. Where do we get to at the end of the year? Let's assume that Mary Daly is right. And let's assume that the lower bound of the Fed funds rate uh, by the end of this year is 250 basis points. That is to say the band will be between 250 basis points and 275. And that means that uh, our cash rate by the end of the year, if we continue to follow the Fed in this fashion, is 260 basis points. Okay. So, um, so that's the effective funds rate. The effective funds rate, uh, Fed funds rate, is the volume median of overnight Fed transactions and uh, banks borrowing from the Fed. And, but it also has an implication for us because we are now following that in setting, in setting our cash rate. Of course, uh, this, uh, uh, the Fed just doesn't set, just set short rates. It also provides forward guidance. And the forward guidance of the Fed is what I've just been talking about now, what Mary Daly is doing about where she thinks that uh, the Fed funds will be uh, by the end of the year. And that's within the area of what's forward guidance. And forward guidance has an enormous impact on the bond market. And I've talked before about how the really powerful things that the Fed does is not just moving uh, rates at the short end, but its influence on moving up the long end. So what we've had as a result of this forward guidance since the Fed meeting is we've had a very dramatic sell-off in Australian uh, in US 10-year bonds and therefore Australian 10-year bonds. Okay. And that has generated a very considerable downward pressure on equities. So what that does, because bond yields are in our models, both of the ASX 200 and the S&P 500, that now pushes down uh, a bit more, puts downwards pressure on our fair value for both of those markets. So today, um, uh, the fair value for the ASX 200 is back at uh, 7,200, 7,207, based on current uh, bond yields and the increase in bond yields that we've had. It's gone from, what that fair value has done is it's gone from 7,200 about six months ago, all the way up to 7,600 from 7,200 about six months ago all the way up to 7,600 after the last earnings season and now the increase in bond yield has pushed it down to 7,200. At the same time, fair value for the S&P 500 is now 4,050 points. Um, so what is happening is bond yields are going up and that is reducing fair value in those markets and both of those markets have been falling down towards pretty close to fair value and perhaps starting to fall below that fair value uh, right now. Are there any questions? Is your valuation based on your 2.6% or on where it is right now? My valuation is based on where bond yields are right now rather than my 2.6%. It's kind of uh, pretty interesting that bonds, uh, I ran my bond models this morning and... Um, uh, US Treasury bonds in terms of my bond models have been overvalued for about five years and they were the most overvalued in the history of the model in uh, 2020 and they're now really approaching uh, fair value. Uh, so I've got a fair value for US bonds about 3.2 and Australian uh, fair value about 3.5. 
Uh, and uh, we're selling a pretty, you know, this is the first time we've, uh, this is the closest we've been to fair value in years in terms of our long-term bond market. And then the jumps that they're doing, is that enough, in your view, to get inflation under control? Uh, they're going too quick, they're going too slow, or they're just about right? Uh, well, it's pretty interesting because what the Fed outlook uh, is that uh, inflation, and the RBA outlook too, uh, by the way, is that inflation goes up uh, at the end of this year and then goes down uh, in following years. Now, that suggests that uh, the yield curve uh, without, yeah, yeah, well, it continued. I'll just talk at you, I guess. Um, the yield, uh, but the short rates will actually rise faster than long rates, okay, because at some stage for that to happen, the yield curve has to invert uh, for inflation to actually fall like that. And I think the yield curve will invert in about 23, and I think that generates uh, a slowdown in 24. Uh, in the US economy and ours, but not yet. You know. um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, they'll be putting up rates and uh, slowing the economy. And uh, yeah, I think they'll get inflation under control. I, don't, I really don't think that the inflation is going to get away from the, uh, for the Fed, and it's certainly not going to get away from the RBA. And, this, and uh, the reason for that is the, that this is not, uh, even though people talk as if this is stagflation like the 1970s, in the 1970s, there was a huge flood of international reserve assets and international reserve inflation, and that's just not happening. Um, so I think this is a short-term surge in inflation, and I think both the Fed and the RBA will get it under control. What does it mean for your um, Aussie US dollar currency valuation, the model? Uh, well, the uh, Aussie dollar has been extremely cheap in terms of our model all year. Uh, so, uh, but uh, the money's flooding. Uh, uh, the, the, my big surprise uh, in terms of the outlook for the Aussie dollar is that uh, the euro area didn't put up interest rates in spite of the fact that they have inflation every bit as high as the US. In the previous cycle, they would have done that. Why didn't they do that? Well, they didn't do that because of the war. So the war has generated a flood of funds into, uh, into the US dollar. Uh, so... Uh, um, uh, the Aussie dollar is deeply, deeply undervalued uh, based on current commodity prices and current interest rates. Uh, but uh, we're getting the benefit of that in fantastic earnings from mining companies. Um, uh, the US dollar must rise, but, sorry, the Aussie dollar must turn around and rise, but uh, it so far stubbornly refused to do so. Obviously those, um... Michael, what about uh, quantitative tightening and the influence that uh, it will have on real demand and, uh, you know, how do you capture that in your um, valuations and then also, you know, the mass pull forward of consumption in economies like the US, UK and even here? Um, the problem with quantitative tightening is there is no accepted way of dealing with it uh, in uh, economics. Um there is an approach that Jay Powell is using by uh, individual event studies. That, that is to say, any time there's an announcement of quantitative easing, what seems to happen is bond yields seem to fall 25 basis points. And so what Jay Powell thinks is that, and he said this uh, when he was asked, asked the question precisely about this in the uh, um, 
press conference after the last Fed meeting was that he thought that the rate, the effect of uh, quantitative tightening on uh, on rates was pretty small, and he thought it would only effectively add about 25 basis points to rates. Now, I think that's just wrong. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because uh, they're selling about 4.6% of uh, GDP on an annual basis of assets from the Fed balance sheet. Uh, but uh, its uh, I don't know any better than them how to calculate it, the problem is, because there's no uh, agreed way in economics to calculate it. But I suspect that it will have a strongly, uh, I think it will have a very powerful effect and that uh, uh, the result of that is that interest rates won't have to go up as far as uh, the market might think or the or uh, and bond yields won't go up as far as the market might think. But um, we start uh, running down uh, the Fed uh, balance sheet uh, in June and it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months. I think uh, um, it's it will have the effect of uh, uh, slowing demand in the US economy at a faster rate than is currently believed. Because what actually happens when you sell those, uh, sell those assets, you, um, the people who buy those assets or the institution to buy those, those assets are U.S. commercial banks. And because they're buying uh, U.S. securities, uh, they're not buying um, um, uh, business debt anymore. So, that, so the buying of those bonds by banks reduces the amount of business lending, that reduces the amount of investment and that slows the US economy. So that's why, why I think it will be much more powerful than the Fed thinks. But uh, we have to see the numbers to calculate what exactly the size of that is. Michael, probably just one last one. I suppose those kind of aggressive moves um, by the RBA um, uh, seem, to, seem to mean that they're sort of behind the curve. Um, I think it was in October last year they were talking about no rate rises until 2024. And I assume a, a whole bunch of uh, uh, people levered right up on the on the property cycle. Um, how if if rates do go up, um, let's just say 150 basis points, um, that's that's a big hit to um, I suppose mortgage most most people's mortgage payments. Are they uh, is that a risk for the um, RBA? Have they commented on on, on that? Um. The first part of the question, I don't believe the RBA is behind the curve. I think that the curve is their expectations of future inflation. And as I've uh, previously said, and I said last week, I think what happened was their forecast for future inflation uh, in February was that uh, the Australian core inflation rate would be uh, 2.7% by the end of the year. And uh, now in the in the release of the... Um, um, quarterly statement on monetary policy, which was only released after the RBA meeting, uh, that uh, forecast has now gone up to four and three quarter percent for core inflation in Australia at the, at the end of this year. So they're in line with that, that curve of future inflationary expectations, and they've decided to move, to, to move on that. Uh, what the impact of that is? Well, uh, notionally, what, uh, what is said uh, is that uh, uh, banks in their lending uh, have included, have been required to include an additional 3% margin uh, for the cost of loans before they've been able to approve loans. So if that's the case, uh, then banks have provided enough margin, uh, calculated the margin of, 
of a 3% increase, uh, which uh, gives borrowers a cushion, so in which the bank's view is that is that the people have borrowed money from them can absorb a 3% increase in rates because that's the conditions under which they provide the banks in this cycle have provided the loans, uh, new loans to consumers. So uh, uh, it'll be a great uh, uh, test of the theory about, about the effectiveness of that 3% margin. We're about to find out. <music>